¿Cómo estás, mi gente? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our weekly Platica. My name is Paul Saldana. I'm a native East Austinite, born and raised, and I'm proud to be taking on the new role as the official political correspondent for Hot Tejano and serving as a host for our new program called Habla y Vota. Yes, I know you're probably saying I'm not interested in hearing about la política, but trust me, I know that you'll be able to relate to some of the issues we want to discuss and share with you. Because at the end of the day, all of us are directly affected by decisions made by our local elected officials on the city council, county commissioner, school board, state legislature, you name it. And of course, we can't talk about la política without talking about the latest chisme in the community. And for that part of the program, I'm going to be turning to my co-producers and fellow chismosos, Everyone's favorite hot Tejano DJ, El Mero Mero, Chris Tejano Man Tristan. ¿Qué pasa, Chris? Hello, hello. Good morning. I hope everyone has had a great uh, weekend. And it was a, a pleasure to uh, celebrate the life and the legacy of uh, Cesar Chavez the other day. Absolutely, absolutely. And, of course, the moral compass of our show, our hermanita, representing the next generation of Latina leaders, another native Austinite, and everyone's favorite Samaripa. It's the incomparable Lily Samaripa Science. ¿Qué pasa, Lily? Buenos días, Paul, Chris. How are y'all? I'm good. I'm good. Dragging a little bit this morning, but estoy bien, gracias. I, I know. Feeling it. Feeling it. <laughs> it's been a long week. Híjole. I'm, ya estoy viejito. All right. Well, so today I want to uh, engage our listening audience in a conversation regarding the life and legacy of Cesar Chavez. And helping us with this important conversation today, we have Susana Almanza, the co-founder of Poder, Uh, and I'll have Lily introduce Susana and talk a little bit more about the important work that Poder does. But but for those of you, I want to remind you who Cesar Chavez was. Cesar Chavez is an American labor leader and civil rights activist. Along with Dolores Huerta, he co-founded the National Farm Workers Association, the NFWA, which later merged with the Agricultural Workers Org Organizing Committee, the AWOC, to become the United Farm Workers UFW Labor Union. So last weekend, uh, hundreds of Latinos and folks in Austin uh, celebrated and participated in the Cesar Chavez March and Day of Action at the historic Parque Zaragoza in the heart of East Austin, honoring the life and legacy and the 95th birthday of civil rights and labor movement leader Cesar Chavez. So the event was organized and sponsored by a new coalition we pulled together called the United by Our Roots, which included, of course, Poder, Amigos de Parque Zaragoza, Habla y Bota Action Fund, Hatahano, of course, Mas Cultura, Students Unido at LBJ, uh, Travis County Constable Precinct 4, George Morales, and of course, Ask Me Local 1624 Union. Our program included music, community speakers and elected officials, community networking, and opportunities for us to support local Latino organizations, Latino entrepreneurs, Latino artists, artists. We did voter registration. And of course, we had a spectacular lowrider show that was produced by Jay Colonga's Body Shop and Mas Cultura. But let me turn it over to Lily because I want to bring Susana in uh, to this important conversation. So Lily, let me turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit more about Susana and Poder, please. Thank you. Thank you, Susana Almanza. Bienvenidos. Susana Almanza is a founding member and director of Poder. Susana has overcome poverty, prejudice, and segregated schools to face down some of the world's most powerful transitional oil corporations. Susana is an indigenous person of the continent of America and resides in East Austin, Texas. She is a longtime community organizer, educator, mother, and grandmother. 
Susanna participated in the civil rights movement as a brown barrette, taking up issues of police brutality, housing, quality education, and equity in school systems, and healthcare as a right, not a privilege. She co-wrote the 17 Principles of Environmental Justice at the First People of Humbler Summit in 1991 and has been fighting against environmental racism for over 30 years. Susana Almanza is a proven leader and nationally recognized environmental justice as activist. Susana was recently appointed to the White House Environmental Justice Adversary Council. Susana served on the City of Austin's Planning Commission, Parks and Recreation Board, Environmental Board, and the Community Developmental Development Commission. Let me go ahead and talk a little bit about Poder because Susana, you are just incredible. You've been an incredible mentor. Poder, which stands for People Organized in Defense of Earth and Her Resources, is a woman-led, people of color, grassroots social justice organization formed in 1991 to increase the participation of residents in East Austin in decisions related to the economic development and environmental protection for our communities. Their mission is to define, to redefine environmental issues as social and economic justice issues and collectively set their own agenda to address these concerns as basic human rights. They seek to empower our communities through education, advocacy, and action. Bienvenidos, Susana, and all of the work that you have done with Poder. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you for joining us. And I also uh, consider Susanna to be the moral conscience of our community. And I have a lot of respect uh, for the work that she does uh, because um, she reminds us the importance of holding people accountable, especially those who aspire to represent us or claim to represent us in many cases. Mm -hmm. So welcome again, Susanna. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. First, tell us a, a little bit more about, about your work specifically with Poder. And, and mm -hmm. I definitely want you to talk about the next generation of leaders because I, I really enjoy seeing all the young people in the Scholars for Justice program. So tell us a little bit more about, more, about Poder and your work. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. Good morning to everyone. Morning. Uh, si se puede. Uh, and I think that's one of our models too at Poder. Uh, so Poder, uh, we're actually going on our 31st year as an organization. Wow. Uh, a lot of uh, Chicana, Chicano leaders came together and formed Poder. Uh, and it was the first, the first environmental justice group in Austin, because we all know that Austin is has a lot of mainstream environmental groups, but it had no one looking at the environment east of Highway 35. Uh, so Poder was the first group and continues to be the only organization uh, looking at environmental justice and social justice issues. Uh, and so we have taken on, uh, as Lily talked about in the bio, some of the biggest corporations in the world. When we took on the tank farm, we took on Exxon, Chevron, Mobile, Texaco, Sitco, Gulf Coastal States, and, and they were causing harm to our community and to our environment. And and uh, that was a big victory because uh, we got them relocated out of the community. We then took on BFI, which is one of the second uh, largest waste management facilities in the world. They were bringing over 350,000 recyclables to the gardens neighborhood. Uh, and it was actually becoming a mini landfill. Uh, and so we also helped in, in uh, relocating that BFI. And then the other one was the Holly Power Plant. 
that and we have not done these struggles alone. We've not done them with organizations and community support, but uh, we've we've done a lot of the on the ground organizing, right? Uh, and so, you know, we were able to relocate the Holly Power Plant also that was causing health harms to our community. Uh, and so we've done a lot of issues. We took on the city and took them to court. And that's been our most recent one is when we went to Code Next, when the city wanted to blanket zone everybody and not give them the right to a public hearing. We took them to court. We won. Uh, 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 at, at the lower court. And then just recently we won at the 14th district court uh, where the city had appealed the ruling and we won again. And so we're hoping they don't take it to the Texas Supreme Court because they keep wasting our tax money Yeah, and they should just get busy, you yeah. know, allocating those resources and stopping the displacement and gentrification in our community. Right. And so that's a, one of the biggest issues in our community is the displacement and gentrification. We just released a report uh, last Thursday at the city council on the whole, we did a whole research on the demolitions, looking at East Austin and then doing some comparison in West Austin. And basically, you know, that's part of the whole zoning tool. It's how do you get rid of uh, low-income working class people of color yeah. and you use all of these tools. And demolition is another tool. You tear down a house that was owned by you know, Latinos or Blacks, and then you put in, you know, two half a million dollar homes and you began to tax everybody out of the out of the area. And so that's a continuation. That's the latest report that we just uh, put out last Thursday. Uh, and then we continue our work. So we have two campaigns going on right now. One of the campaign is a Fair Fairs Movement campaign. And that's because, uh, you know, they passed a $7.1 billion rail bond. And so for the first time, we're going to have uh, the orange line and the blue line that comes through the Eastern Crescent, where majority of uh, low-income and people of color work. But the rail costs $7 a day for a pass. Mm. The bus costs $2.50 a day for the pass. Mm. And we're saying, hold them up. You can't continue to discriminate. Because we want to ride the rail too, right? right. We have, we're paying our taxes too. And right. so we're saying, no, the rail fares have got to equal the bus fare. If the bus fare costs 250 the rail fare should cost 250 right. And we should be able to jump from the rail to the bus and the bus to the rail. Right. So that's one of our big campaigns now. The other one is um, solar equity. And so we're looking at solar. We've done research too. Who's really getting solar? Who's not getting solar? And the up costs. Uh, front cost to get solar. And so we want to create um, solar and we want to start with a, a solar uh, pilot project in Montopolis uh, because, you know, President Biden just passed the uh, Justice 40, where 40 percent of all the funds are supposed to go to low income people of color communities, frontline communities. Right. And one of those areas is energy and transportation. Mm -hmm. And so there's no reason why the city should not be working to make sure that we get solar. And I think everybody remembers the three days, you know, last year. Oh, and yeah. some people struggled for a month yep. when uh, the utility, you know, went out and we were all stuck in this very cold weather uh, with no electricity. But guess yeah. what? The people had generators and solar. They just went around like it was, you know, enjoying, you know, the pleasantries of being 
uh, home right. uh, while other people were in the dark and in the cold. And so solar does and should play a big part in everybody's uh, community, right? In everybody's life. Yeah. And so that's another one uh, that we're also currently uh, working on. That's a lot. That's a lot. So I wanted to maybe just take a step back and, and get your thoughts about your thoughts and observations about uh, last week's event. And first, and actually before you want to, before you answer that too, I want, I want to thank you for, uh, the work you've done to make the annual, uh, season of tribe, season of weather March, part of our cultural annual traditions here. I think you've been doing it now for, for, for two uh, decades. And obviously during the pandemic, when that hit us, we were able to, you were very gracious in working with the ABLA organizations and the Austin Latino coalition, which well, that is a member of, to you know, turning that into a, a day of action to serve our people. To your point, you know, we're the communities that continue yeah. to be marginalized, experiencing a lot of classism, racism, segregation, health inequities. In particular, we saw that through the, mm -hmm. the pandemic and the fact that we were able to remind people uh, when we normally would have the march that you guys would lead. That we were able to use that as a day of action. So, what was your thoughts and observations about last week's event? Yeah, well, it was it was one of the most beautiful and enlightening marches because, like you said, um, it would have been our 21st annual march. But wow. because of two years of COVID, um, you know, we completed the, the 19th march and then for two years we were like could not have that march going on. Uh, and so to have to be able to come back together as a community. Uh, and to honor uh, Ceci Chavez and his legacy uh, meant so much. And I, and then when I talked to the people in the crowd, they were just very happy. Like, wow, you know, we get to come together and look how we get to come together. Mm -hmm. Iron and Cesar E. Chavez. Yeah. We had gone down to level two and in two years, we now come together on a very sacred and honorable day. And that's honoring the life of Cesar E. Chavez and the legacy that he left for us, right? And so that was the most beautiful thing. And, you know, um, Cesar Chavez was very spiritual, you know, person. And for, uh, for us to be able to do the blessings and, and then, you know, go beyond that, the indigenous blessing of honoring our indigenous ways of honoring the elements that sustain us and, you know, the directions and who they represent, you know, the youth, the elders, male and female entities was very, very beautiful. And I had people come, wow, you know, I'm always feel so good when I see that blessing and that I see the copal and I, you know, I feel that whole spirituality, right? And then uh, to have... Uh, one of the young scholars, uh, Victoria Gamas, you know, you know, recite the prayer and then have the whole audience reciting a prayer written by Cesar E. Chavez. Oh, my goodness. We we couldn't get more, you know, enlightenment, spirituality, connection than speaking the words and the prayer that Cesar E. Chavez wrote. And, and I remember right great. after when Victoria finished that prayer, I don't know if you remember this, Susanna, because uh, we were getting people on stage. But mm -hmm. all of a sudden we had this win. Oh, yes. And everybody said, oh, that like that, like just added more to it. It was like the spirit of, of Cesar was there. The spirit mm -hmm. of the, what's taking place there. Parque Saragossa. I mean, right after she finished that prayer and everybody was just like, we had this, this wind, Augusta. Oh, wind, and all wind. 
Yeah. Did y'all remember that? Yeah. And it was it was beautiful days. because the wind brought these like falling leaves, right? Yeah. But it was just the most beautiful. Instead of raindrops, it was these leaves, mm-hmm. and they were just falling all. I mean, going with the wind was, and yes. falling. Yeah, stage, we were all um, circled Everybody was, was in just, awe. Yes. It, it was. It was that. That was not a coincidence. That was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, so, well, so, so tell us, tell us, uh, you know, why is it important for all of us to honor the life and legacy of Cesar, and and how do you believe that his work uh, that he did still influences our Latino community today, our Indigenous people, our Mexican Americans, our Latino community? Mm-hmm. How do you feel that, that his work still influences our community today? Yeah, you know, Cesar Chavez's wor- uh, work opened up so many doors, so many eyes, so many hearts. And and I tell people that he was a role model, just not for the Latino community, the farm workers, but the world, because he felt he fought against, you know, oppression and exploitation. He fought for democratic rights. He, he fought for, you know, living wages. He fought for, you know, safe environment, housing, you know, all of these issues that he brought to the forefront for everybody to see how terrible uh, the life of the farm workers were, our people who are out there bringing everybody the food to their tables, to the grocery stores, and yet they were living in misery and couldn't even afford all the stuff that they were, you know, picking, whether it was tomatoes and grapes and lettuce and carrots and all of this stuff, and how miserably they were living a life. And he really brought that to the forefront. I don't think anybody had brought that. And he also moved to make sure that they got better wages and better living conditions and the children could go to school, right? You talk about the child labor law, all of these things came into play, you know? So, Cesar Chavez really, people don't really realize how he changed a lot of laws and policies, the right to unionize, you know, all of these things that a lot of times we take for granted. And a lot of times the next generation really doesn't know about all of these struggles. Uh, And this is very important because he, along with a lot of others, and I'm not just saying him, but he he laid the, the ground for a lot of us. And I think that we continue uh, to do that. And it's very important that we work against oppression and exploitation. And and I see that in the community when we're talking about democratic rights, mm-hmm. you know, um, y'all are out there registering people to vote. That's part of the whole democratic rights because we know today how the barriers are to try to keep us from voting, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And so that uh-huh. plays a really big role in when we talk about you know, democratic rights and the things that he did and also challenging the powerful. I mean, when we took on, you know, the city council and took them to court, we're we're challenging the most powerful people. Uh, When the Austin uh, Latino coalition took on the health department in the city, when it came to COVID, that our people were the ones dying and not getting, you know, the PPE and all of this other stuff. I mean, that was taking on a big, powerful, you know, system there. Uh, that has, you know, that has not served as they should serve us. So right. I think that we continue that legacy of looking at, you know, how do we better the lives of our community, right? And when we talk about education and we get out there making sure we have the right people on the on the board at AISD, uh, that we make sure that our that our children are getting the best quality education. Those are all the things that. Uh, 
Cesar Chavez, you know, worked for, fought for. And again, he didn't do it on his own. One of the things that he, he says, you know, he looked to churches, he looked to universities, he looked to other organizations, yeah. he looked into forming coalitions, he looked in working with politicians. You know, he knew you had to be able to have that communication and education was a really big I issue uh, in that process. And I think, you know, yesterday I had the privilege to go see the new documentary, uh, A Song for Cesar. And I think it was one of the most beautiful documentary because a lot of time we forget about the songs, mm -hmm. you know, the music. Mm -hmm. And we yes. had music there, you know, and because uh, we didn't have a lot of time to coordinate this because, like you said, we were scrambling for two weeks yeah. how to make yeah. it all happen, yeah. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, it's usually like the ballet group, maybe yeah. some orchestra groups, yeah. a band, you know, right. but we did. We did have music there, you know, we had, you know, people speaking, you know, we had the prayer, uh, but it's like uh, music is very important, but not just any kind of music, music that speaks about justice, yeah. that speaks about uh, the oppression and the exploitation that our people are going to, and why we have to continue to be involved and be active in our communities, and our, and not just in our communities, and in the world, how Absolutely. we need to have Absolutely. to be working together, right? Absolutely. Okay, Rasa, hang tight. We're going to take a, a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Guitar Raza, this is Paul Saldana with Habla y Bota. Don't forget to join us every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Hot Tejano. Welcome back, everybody, to Habla y Bota. Today, we're joined by Suzanne Almanza, the founder and director of uh, Poder. And just before the break, we were talking about this new documentary that came out about songs for Cesar Chavez. Uh, and, you, and you were saying, too, Susana, you know, th those songs tell our lived experiences uh, as a community uh, and the ongoing uh, fights for social justice and, and all the inequities that our community uh, ha, has has experienced, um, which which I wanted to move into, you know, some of the existing challenges and quality of life issues that uh, that sees uh, that work for, you know, in the '60s and '70s, and then what's going on now. And uh, one of the one of the most inspirational speakers um, that we had at the march last weekend was um, the woman from. Um, uh, out uh, by the by the uh, ABIA uh, and and yet the tank bomb issue coming back again. Right. Amanda, I can remember her Amanda name. Carillo. Carillo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Miss Carillo, and the fact that she empowered her community again, a Latina stepping up to to take on the city of Austin, a very powerful entity. Uh, and, you know, and a lot of people, and we know this because we talk about it all the time. This is a cheesemate part, right? Austin professes to be this very liberal, progressive yes. city. But here we are again in 2022 talk, talking about tank farms again mm. and, and, and the injustices of the fact that our community continues to be subjected to, you know, these environmental racism practices at the hands of the city government, the city of mm -hmm. Austin, who's supposed to be protecting us. Can you talk about that? Yeah, this, this is really like, uh, you know, that legacy of racism that has continued. 
and you know, people people who do remember and people who don't, there was a big fight against the tank farm in East Austin that I mentioned with the big oil corporations. Uh, and uh, for people who don't know, a tank farm is a fuel storage facility where all the gasoline and fuel is stored. And this particular fuel will be for the jet airplanes, you know. And instead of taking on a big oil giants, uh, what Amanda's taking on is big corporate airlines uh, because the airlines are the, are the ones that are, you know, asking for the expansion of the, the tank farm. But the city knows and it actually documented that the city documented the new tank farm story uh, that's on their website, which I'm narrating, talking about uh, the devastation that it caused to the community, the health harm, you know, where People had cancer, children had nosebleeds and rashes, respiratory issues, headaches, you name it. And where trees were dying, the, you know, the ground was contaminated, you know, people would garden and break out with sores in their hands. And, and just the odor that people had to live with on a daily basis. And yet here they have the audacity to say, we're going to put this tank farm right within 400 feet out of, of a predominantly Latino community. Yeah. And they're talking, well, it's going to be in phases two and two, that's four. But you know what? As the airport grows, just as a tank farm, it will just grow and grow. Right. And this is not something we already know the harm that comes from living adjacent to a tank farm. So I feel like, you know, here we go. Uh, we can't talk about equity and be talking about civil rights office because now we have the office of equity and we have the office of civil rights. Well, what are they? What are they doing now? Exactly. You know, there has to be a stop uh, to this continuation of racism and disregard for our people. Absolutely. You know, and so yes, and and I really commend uh, Amanda Carillo because she's just says she's in her first time in yeah. activism. Yeah her first time uh, and we're working closely with her but I, she did the right thing because when you go door to door there's that's really the grassroots yeah, effort exactly. is when you're going door to door talking to your neighbor explaining to them what's happening you know and that we need to do something about it that that's really you know organizing and so you know I really admire her um, never being involved, never yeah. being in politics, yeah. activism. And she's learning a lot as we she is, she is. As Well, we I remember know. when she was speaking too on Saturday, she got really nervous and she said she was very nervous. And at one point her voice started to crack a little bit. She was yes. getting very nervous. And I think the spirit that everybody had come in again yeah. and yeah. just like everybody, I think she felt um, people lifting her up and then the yes. spirits of our ancestors and Cesar Chavez there and, and all of ancestors who used to take up that space at Parque Zaragoza, everybody kind of put their hands on her. And then she closed it out and she was like, she had the, the crowd growing. I know by the end of her speech, she had everybody yelling and, you know, clapping and, 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 you know, giving her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's a really big thing. I know that, Vanessa Fuentes has put together, uh, Councilman District 2 has put together a resolution uh, that will be coming before the City Council work session on the 5th, and then it goes to City Council on the 7th. And so we're going to need a lot of letters of support. You know, I urge people at, at the Cesa Chavez event, I, I ask people, take out your phones, yeah. go to poderaustin.org and sign the petition, sign yes. the petition against 
you know, having the tank farm there and send letters and emails to all the council members because yeah. it, it might be in district two, but guess what? All the council members get to vote. That's they right. They all get That's to right. vote. That's and right. And so we need to send it to all of them and That's say, right. No, you can't. Yeah, no. Yeah, basta. Yeah, basta. Yeah, basta. And we got to Which, by the way, uh, gente, those who are listening in the audience, write this number down. 512-978-2100. That's Mayor Adler's number. Call him. Call him right now. Leave him a message. Keep calling until somebody answers that phone. 512-978-2100. That's Mayor Steve Adler's phone number. Call the city council and say it is not acceptable to allow this tank farm at ABIA that negatively negatively impacts our Latino, black and brown communities, low income communities in Southeast Travis County. We can't let this happen. So y'all call, call that number. I want to bring in uh, Lily and Chris real quick and, and just hear y'all's perspectives and observations of what you saw and experienced last week. Lily, let's start with you. Um, so, I mean, Saturday was just incredible. The energy there that, you know, it, it was just, hey, it was just such a beautiful day. I know we talked about the gust of wind, but just from, you know, getting there to the park first thing in the morning and, and setting up, it really was such a beautiful day. And it was so beautiful. Savannah, you know, to your point, um, the march hasn't been held in two years. And so just seeing everyone now that we're at a lower stage, everyone can, you know, get near each other. We can kind of embrace each other a little bit more. And yeah. It's been a really long time coming. Um, every, seeing also a lot of the signs that people brought that have been, A, you know, either been used in, in past marches, you know, have been with a big, big sign, that yeah. yeah. sign, which was so beautifully done. And then, you know, a lot of people, they made their own signs, their own banners, and seeing just different people post all of the photos on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, some people were there. I didn't even know they were there. There were so many people there. Um, And then when we came back and we just had all of the speakers, we had Julio who gave his story about growing up on Ron Burns. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was very, and he he was right in the, the Mexican, you know, the Mexican flag as, it was it was so beautiful, um, just how passionate he was about his life and what he's gone through and how he's overcoming it. Yeah. And then, you know, my mom, Melinda Samaripa, she went into the history of Parque Saragosa. She was feeling your Abuelita spirit that day, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was beautiful. You know, it, it was there's so much history there. So I love the fact that we are going back and we are reclaiming our park, our land. Um, Susanna, you and Daniel at the beginning of the march, the blessing, the the dance. I mean, that was so moving. I, I had never seen anything like that, and it, it was just it, 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 the whole energy. It was just. So beautiful. We were on fire. It was. It just felt so good to be with the community. And, and there, there are no other words than than si se puede. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that, that really is si se puede. 
Hey, Chris, you, I saw you llorando. I saw some lagrimas, dude, a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> well, you felt the spirit, brother. You, you know, I, I was, I enjoyed being out there. Um, you know, as a kid, I, w I would go to summer camp and it started at Saragossa. We would walk every day to Brook Elementary. So yeah. being in uh, that area and I and actually hadn't been there in so long, I didn't even know it was shut down back there. Yeah. And so um, that was where we hung out uh, every day, um, you know, during summer camp. Uh, until our parents picked us up. We used to go swimming at Parque Saragossa. And yeah. it, it's it's empty. And yeah. that that to me was kind of sad to see. But, um, you know, as, as Susana knows and, and, and we all know that, uh, you know, East Austin is being gentrified and has been gentrified for, for some time now. Um, it's forced a lot of us who grew up and... Mm -hmm. um, out of the east side because of the property taxes going up and that oh, yeah. being very unaffordable to to maintain uh that area and if you go into the neighborhood where uh where i grew up on the east side it's not even that anymore so yes. um you know from from lions road in that area from lions road to manso Limon. Uh, mm -hmm. just around in that area is yeah. totally now gentrified. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So different. So different. Where, there, where there was a huge lot, I remember our neighbor, um, where there was a huge lot there where it was just one house. Now there's two. Um, yeah. and, and it's happening everywhere. And, everywhere. you know, so it it's kind of, uh, it's very sad to see um, that, you know, my, my children can't go back to a home where everyone grew up, you know, um, oh, yeah. and for, for, you know, for years to come, it may not happen, you know? Um, and so, you know, most of us live outside of Travis County and that sucks too, because this is not our, mm -hmm. our district. Our district is back in East Austin. So yeah. um, I was sad to see yeah. that, that to hear just the other day, I didn't know that Allen elementary has been used for something else for some time now. So, you know, th there again, I, I grew up in that era where um, there was a lot of problems with Boggy Creek. Uh, they were yeah. wanting a bridge. They got the bridge there. My parents were part of those those issues uh, yeah. or, or to help get those issues solved um, yeah. within, mm -hmm. you know, the school board, the city and so on and so forth. And I remember my parents uh, taking us to a school board meeting and, and us talking before the city council. Uh, that type of stuff is is very important. And uh, Susana, you know, I want to commend you on the work that you've done and Paul and of course Lily for what you guys have done in the in the East Austin community. But I also I I vividly remember Susana being at the forefront of a lot of things um, it, that that a lot of issues that needed to be handled. And of course the tank farm being so close to where we grew up as well. Oh yeah. So yeah. the uh, Lions Road, Kylie Limon, Pleasant Valley area, that whole oh, yeah. that whole neighborhood. You know, I mean, it's sad to say there again, guy is not guy anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, so I want to turn it back to to Susanna. Uh, gosh, because I know we can talk all day. Uh, but, you know, tell us what what's the call to action uh, for, for our community moving forward? I know there are a lot of issues 
Susanna. So feel free to yeah. elaborate a little bit. But but what yeah. is what is the call to action for our community? Yeah, I think the call to action is is one of the things too that we're doing with the Young Scholars for Justice, our program. You know, the Young Scholars for Justice, we have to make sure that you know we're informing and educating our children, you know, about the history about how we got here uh, and then how they need to get involved. So we have to make sure that we also are politicizing the next generation. Yes. Uh, and that's why we started the Young Scholars for Justice, because in the Young Scholars for Justice, they have to learn about how racism took place here in Austin. They have to learn about the master plan. They have to learn about the juvenile justice system and how it got here, uh -huh. and who are really the victims of the juvenile justice system. And they, they learn about organizing one-on-one. So no matter where they go, they're gonna have the tools of how to organize. And I think that that's where we have to really concentrate. And it's okay to have these other youth organizations, but if we're not politicizing our youth about the yeah. real issues and reality, yes. yeah. then we're doing a disservice. If, you know, we when we have, we always invite uh, whoever the union representative, and we've been very fortunate to have uh, Judy Cortez and now Yvonne, Yvonne. you know, women in the Move union headers, leading yep. and coming to speak and tell, and they give the history of how the union got started, Absolutely. how we got involved. And I youth need to know about these, these things. And I, I tell you, they're not learning this in schools yeah. and they need to learn about their cultura, yes. you know, about, mm -hmm. we do have our own, you know, people who were astronomers, mathematicians. Matter of fact, we're the number one mathematicians, you know, in the world. Yeah. Right. That really study, but you never hear about that, right? You never hear about any of, of those particular leaders and the stuff. And so it's very important that we continue with poetry and, you know, song and art. And we incorporate that into, you know, our young scholars for justice. And so to me, that's an action when you prepare the next generation for real down to earth reality issues. And you don't try to whitewash things. You tell it as it really is. And, you know, that they too have to be involved, right? Because we're not always, I'm an elder. I'm not always going to be around. So I have to make sure the next generation is ready to step in and continue that legacy. But we have a lot of issues, especially with COVID. We yeah. now know boosters are coming back. There's still a lot of people who haven't gotten vaccinated. We've got another variant coming in. Yep. And so we know who, who usually is the one suffering from all of these, you know, variants and stuff. So that's a real big issue now with Project Connect coming in, all the monies and stuff, the anti-displacement fund. That's an action we have to stay. And I'll tell y'all that we just recently sent a letter to the council and we're going to be re and sending it to Captain Metro that, um, they cannot use that anti-displacement money to continue their staying status quo at 60% yeah. MFI for rental, 80% for ownership. Because the people you're displacing are not living at those. Yeah. So if you're yeah. building at that, you're just further displacing and gentrifying yeah. our community. Yeah. So we've called them out. That's a big action where we're, we're going to need people to come out and support and say, Enough is enough. You've got Absolutely. to do a deeper affordability. So there's a lot of action that people can take and need to take, right, to make sure that that we're heard and that the council doesn't think that Latinos just going to go vote for you, yeah. you know, and we're going to vote Democratic. You know, if you're not also, you've got to give. 
it's a two-way street. It's Absolutely. a two-way street, and we got to call them out on it. We got to say what, how are you going to continue working on equity? How are you going to continue working on our civil rights issues, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we all learn more about uh, Susana Almanza and Poder. Go to poderaustin.org. There's more information there. You can sign the petition about the tank farms that's going on, get more information about some of the issues that Susana covered. Susana, one of the things that we're going to continue to do is bring back other community leaders and then all the candidates who aspire to be uh, on the city council up and like, so we're going to put you back on our panel so that you can ask them the type of questions. So we're going to oh, right. come back. <laughs> bring us back. And, and you mentioned the COVID real quick. And one of the things that I wanted to mention real quickly is the fact that the last time I looked at the numbers, we had about 1,467 people in Austin, Travis County mm-hmm. die of COVID. Latinos still represent 50% of those deaths. 734 mm-hmm. Latinos from our community died of COVID. And one of the things I know that our Austin Latino Coalition is calling for is we're calling for a third party independent audit of the city's response, epic failure to the COVID pandemic, because the data speaks for itself. Our black and brown low income people suffered and were disproportionately impacted. And so we want to see the same resolve and energy they had when we didn't have any water. We should see that same energy and resolve to look at the city's response, because this is we're going to have another pandemic at some point in the future. And we cannot mm-hmm. allow our community once again to be the ones who are disproportionately impacted, not getting support and resources. And we're the ones dying uh, while the rest of the folks uh, are, are, are still having to pay, but not disproportionately impacted like our, like our community. So we're going to we're calling for an, an audit uh, on, the, on that issue. So thank you again to everybody. Um, I want to close with my favorite Caesar Travis quote, which is a reminder, which really encapsulates a lot of what Susanna was talking about. Uh, and that is we can't seek achievement for ourselves and forget about the progress and prosperity for our community. Our ambitions have to be broad enough to include the aspirations and the needs of others for their sake and for our own. Let me turn it over to, to Lily real quickly. Talk real quickly, Lily, about the about the Action Fund. Where can people get information? And then I'll close it out and turn it back to Chris. So, yes, yeah, so I believe about that Action Fund, we're, you know, we're dedicated to supporting the next generation of Latino leaders, candidates, Our allies, our initiatives include voter registration, voter education, candidate forums, endorsements, memberships, and fundraising. Please email us at ablaibota at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page, Twitter, at ablaatx. Um, We have different levels of membership. We welcome everyone um, to be a part of us. We have a lot of resources. If you need help with just getting your vote, getting your voice heard, please reach out to us, ablaibota at gmail.com. Thank you, Lily. Okay, mi gente, we are out of time. Thanks for tuning in. We want to thank the guest, our guest again, Susana Almanza of Poder, for your continued leadership, your advocacy, and your fight for social justice in Austin, Texas. Gente, don't forget to join us here every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock right here on Hot Tejano. We plan to bring additional Latino community leaders, candidates, and panelists to discuss la política, el chisme, and the importance of our voices and our votes right here in Habla y Plática. Thank you to my co-producers and co-hosts. Chris Tejano and Tristan and our hermanita Lily Samaritpa Science. To quote my mama, I watch it. We'll see you guys next week. I'm turning it back over to Chris. Chris. All right. Thank you guys. That is another episode of Habla y Vota. 